My name is DJ, I'm one of the pastors here, and it's just great to be with you this weekend. We are in the middle of a series called Summer Stories, and um, we know that series won't last forever, just because, you know, I mean, it might change to fall stories, but I don't think summer, you know, you, you haven't, there's an end in sight, guys. We, we, no, maybe not. Maybe it will last forever. No, but we're having a lot of fun just being able to go through some of the stories that have brought encouragement and inspired us as staff, right? So it's kind of that employee pick kind of feel where we have the freedom to just share from something that God has used to really uplift us. And uh, so I hope you've been blessed by those already. You can always go to our YouTube channel and find those. If you want to follow along uh, tonight, if you have the YouVersion app or the Bible app installed on your device, you can look for events and you'll see Shine Church and you can follow along on the notes there. But I get to speak to you about Daniel. And I love the story of Daniel. It happens to be my name. You know, that's what the D stands for, if you didn't know that. Well, you know, that was for free. It's not in the notes. Um, of course, Pastor Dan, our senior lead pastor, is also Daniel. There's many Daniels out there. Most of them, I think, are cool. Maybe some of them are not. I don't know. But let's not talk about that. Uh, but, but the story of Daniel in the Bible is really encouraging. And if you spend any time in Sunday school, um, you might know that Daniel is ended up in a lion's den and because of his trust and faith in the Lord and his refusal to not stop praying to the Lord and God sent his angel and shut the mouths of the lions and delivered him from sure and certain death and so hopefully well if you didn't know that story now you do that's that happened that's a big kind of part of Daniel's life but I really felt uh, God wanted us to take a minute and look at the first chapter of Daniel and really some of the things that Daniel learned early on that set him up for a lifetime of integrity and of impact. There's some things that he learned in his life early on that I think really set the stage and really laid the track for God to be able to use him in an incredible way. And, uh, and so I believe that uh, God wants us to look at those uh, together. So let's jump in. The countdown's already started, so rejoice again, you know. Um, you know, I kind of found myself thinking, you know, this time of year, around this week, maybe some of you moms find yourselves dropping off your kids in a new school or a new grade with a new teacher in a new environment. I was in a conversation with someone, and they were sharing with me, like, yeah, you know, we kind of, like, dropped them off the school and just kind of like, okay, there they go. Are we, are, you know, sacrificing them to the heathen gods, you know, kind of thing or whatever? And I reminded them of a time when we first dropped our kids off at a, at a school. They had been in Christian schools, and we ended up uh, having them enter the public school system. And I was like, God, give me a sign. And we literally were driving in the line to the school and we saw this lady with a big old lanyard and it said, I love Jesus, like I heart Jesus all the way around it. And that was like so cool of God, right? Just to give us that little sign, like I got you. I'm in control. And, uh, and I believe that God, you know, we find ourselves oftentimes in situations where uh, we don't know, we feel out of control, or we, we don't know exactly how things are gonna play out. And I believe that God has so much to speak to us through the story of Daniel, so I'm excited to, to jump in. Um, one of the things that Daniel, uh, I believe, learned early on that God wants us to understand that can really set us up is that God is with us when we're far away from home. God is with us when we're far away from home or even when we feel far from home, right? You don't have to physically be far from home to really feel far from home. Do you know what I'm talking about? Maybe you're in a job and you're just like, 
man, I just feel like an alien. I just don't feel like I fit here. I don't feel like these people get me or I don't get them or we don't share the same values, right? Or uh, maybe like I said, you know, you're entering a new, uh, maybe you're going to college and, and you're feeling like, wow, this is, I am far from home, maybe physically, but certainly in terms of just the culture, in terms of, of the spiritual atmosphere, whatever it might be. Maybe in your relationship that's kind of turned a corner and you're like, wow, we used to be so close and all of a sudden it just feels far from home right? And what do we do in those moments? I believe God wants us to know without any doubt that he's with us when we're far from home. He was with Daniel, right? Daniel chapter 1, basically paraphrasing it, says that God allowed King Nebuchadnezzar to lay siege to the city of Jerusalem way back in 586 BC, and God gave the city over to him. And God allowed them to conquer. So they took the stuff from the temple. I mean, talk about something you think God would protect is all the, you know, the goblets and the gold and the silver, the things that were used to worship God. But God allowed all those things to be taken. And it says that they collected young men uh, who were very smart and wise and showed a lot of potential and aptitude. Uh, and they wanted, and they took them from their homeland and took them to Babylon, far away from home. Can you imagine being around 17 years old or so? That's kind of what I think most of the scholars believe, the age of these young men. Uh, when they took them there, they found themselves in a completely different culture, different language, different home, kind of torn away from all the things that were familiar, torn away from the worship of their God, from the songs that they heard in, in worship to God, with, surrounded by idols, surrounded by foreign authority that didn't respect their God. And can you imagine what that would feel like? I mean, I think you probably do, because again, I think oftentimes we find ourselves in situations like that. And I believe that, you know, they weren't alone, right? God, if we look at the Bible, there's a lot of people that spent at least a season far from home. If you look at Abraham and Sarah, man, they wandered around like foreigners in the land. You look at Jacob when he had to flee his uncle Laban. You look at the story of Joseph. He was taken, ripped away from his siblings and sold into slavery in Egypt. Spent some time far away from home. You look at uh, different people in the Bible. There was even a, a young lady who isn't even named, but she had been taken captive far away by the uh, Arameans who lived kind of in modern-day Syria. And she was a captive, and in her household, she found a way to have influence when she told her mistress that her husband's answer to something that was completely uncurable, a disease, leprosy. I'm preaching, Siri. Can I preach? Okay, thank you. Siri doesn't know the answer to some of the questions that we have, but the Word of God has the answers. Amen! <laughs> It's a common thing that God has used in the lives of men and women is to lead us into seasons where we're far from home, where we're removed from the comforts and from the things that are taken for granted. And we, we have an opportunity. We're tested. It's difficult. It feels weird. But we come to know that he's with us even in those moments as she did. And that young girl, she ended up telling her mistress, hey, there is a man of God in my homeland. And I believe that if Naaman is going to be healed, that would be his ticket to healing. And sure enough, he actually, her word as a servant girl had such great influence that he went and found, well, first found the king, freaked him out like, hey, he came with a letter from his king, like, okay, I expect you to heal, you know, my general. And the king was like, what? Are you trying to start a world war? I don't know what to, I don't know how to heal anybody. But they found Elisha, told him to dip in the Jordan River seven times, and you know the story. He was healed in great glory came to God as a result of it. So don't ever underestimate what can happen when we find ourselves far from home. I think um, it's important to remember that home is only 
a prayer away, right? Daniel discovered that, that home is only a prayer away. And we've been talking about prayer. It seems like it's a little thread that's been running through. We talked about Nehemiah and how he spent time in prayer, even right in the heat of the moment when the king was asking him, what can I do for you? But also interceding for his people. Daniel also discovered early on that, man, checking in with home is such a source of encouragement and comfort in his life. And we know that he had a habit of doing it three times a day. And I know Pastor Rob mentioned when we were talking about this message, he's like, you know what? To Daniel, prayer wasn't work. It was relationship, right? Pastor Janelle said prayer was actually Daniel's vice. It's what he just kept, he just felt that drawing and that desire to pray. And it makes me think of like, have you ever seen like a Super Bowl or another, um, maybe a, a moment where they show troops from overseas and they're Zooming with their family or they're Zooming with loved ones? And most of the ones I've seen don't look like they're really working really hard in that moment. Do you know what I'm talking about? They're so happy to be communicating with their loved ones and to be receiving encouragement and to be reminded of who they are when they feel like they're in a faraway land and like maybe they're rejected, the people there don't want them there, they're struggling with why am I here, it's hot, it's dusty, it's dry, whatever. But those few moments connecting with home can just make all the difference. And I believe that God wants us to know the secret that Daniel discovered, that man, he wants prayer to be that invitation into soaking in his presence, where he can just remind us of who we are. He can just remind us that he's in control. He can remind us that we belong to him. He can remind us that he sees us and he knows where we're at in space and time. And I believe that we'll find great, incredible strength as we check in with him in prayer. What about this? Another thing I believe that Daniel discovered early on is that we always have a choice to be true. We always have a choice to be true. Here's what's interesting. In verses seven and eight, I'm gonna read this, and it says these words. I'm gonna read it after I put my readers on, that is, to be precise. Okay, so verses seven and eight of chapter one, it says the chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. They actually had been assigned a portion from the king's table. Can you imagine? Talk about a buffet, guys. I don't know where you, you know, buffets are kind of not a thing anymore. I don't know, <laughs> especially with COVID, but particularly not if you're not in the South, right? I think in the South, they still are around. <laughs> Shonies, I don't know what other are. But can you imagine the King's Buffet? I mean, talk about, you know, prime rib and, you know, the, the best meats, the best sauces, the best fresh vegetables. I mean, the very best was made available to him. But here's the thing. Um, he resolved in his heart not to contaminate himself. Why? I don't believe it was about the bacon. I truly don't. I don't believe that it was about, oh, if pork enters my body, I'll be defiled. I think it was about identity. I think it was about remembering who he was, that he was a child of God and a son of Israel. And you know what? It's when we're away from home that that gets tested, isn't it? You know, when we're away from home and, and nobody else is around that maybe could keep us accountable, do you think he maybe wondered about reinventing himself? It's like a whole new, a whole new world, kind of like for Jasmine and <laughs> the senior lead pastor said keep on moving I can't sing a whole new way 
The point is when we're away from accountability, away from what's familiar, away from home, it can be an opportunity, right, to be like, well, you know what? Maybe I'll try and I'll dabble over here and just kind of see what makes sense, right? We see a lot of college students doing that. That's, hey, sometimes we have to, I don't know, make our faith real to us, right? I mean, we have to kind of ask those tough questions and we have to, to, to explore and, and seek those answers and let God reveal himself to us in a personal way. But we see that Daniel found himself there and what's more, they tried to rename him. They gave him different names. Isn't our name kind of a big piece of our identity? Yeah. Right? I mean, I think like DJ is kind of an important, I wouldn't want to be called Jack, for example. Now, Jack is a great name for your husband. But I mean, you know, I like it on him. But I wouldn't want to be Jack, right? He probably wouldn't want to be easy. The point being, right, that, that our name is, is probably what our parents spoke over us and what in some way is, is uh, part of our purpose or part of our identity. And they literally notice how they went after those things and changed those things. Isn't it like what the enemy tries to do with us? He tries to change our name. He tries to change the blessing that God has spoken over our lives and the identity but here's what we find in Daniel. He remembered it's always a choice to be true to who you really are. There's always a choice. It doesn't matter if it seems impossible. And in this situation, it seemed really difficult, right? Because the king had assigned his diet for these young men that were being trained for three years to become wise men and sages and uh, you know, astronomers and so forth and astrologers in his kingdom. But Daniel says he resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And here's, uh, here's what I believe. You know what? God meets us between a rock and a hard place, right? I don't think, if you're like me, I don't ever want to be between a rock and a hard place. In fact, one of my early mentors always teased me because I always used to say, I like to keep my options open. You know, like, okay, thank you, Nick, for, you know, offering that to me, but let me just see, <laughs> you know, what everybody else is doing after church, right? <laughs> Where are you guys going? <laughs> I always like to keep my options open. If you're like me, I think most of us like to have a number of options available. But when the road gets narrow and when it gets really tough and we're like, how do I remain true to who I am in the Lord? Maybe it's a situation at work, an integrity issue, right? And we're like, I don't know, right? What do I do? If I speak up, I risk consequences and retribution. If I don't and just go along with it, I know maybe that's not right. God, what do I do in this situation? I believe God wants us to know he loves to meet us between the rock and the hard place. When we're saying, I don't know, God. I, I don't know. I feel trapped, but I'm, but I'm calling out to you. God, I, I want to be true. God, I want to honor you. I want to be true to who you've made me to be. And I believe that we see the, some of the most incredible power of God, some of the most incredible encounters with the Lord and his favor upon us in those moments. Daniel certainly did when he did that. And it kind of brings me to a third thing that I believe Daniel discovered. And that was that God lives in the real world. God lives in the real world. And what's more, he invites us to live in it with him. And do you know what I mean by that? Sometimes we think like God's way out there and he's like, well, good luck figuring it out in the real world, but you better, you know, follow my statutes and precepts and regulations. No, he lives in this world. He understands the dynamics that we face. He understands the pressures that are put upon us. He understands those tight spots. He understands those moments when we just don't know what to do. And he's with us in those moments. Here's what happened. Ashpenaz was the chief of the guard. He was the king's official who had been put in charge 
of all of these young men, and it was his responsibility. And Daniel went to him and was like, hey, Aspenist, can I talk to you for a second? Yeah. So like, I mean, bacon, it smells great. It's, I love the sound of the sizzle and the skillet. Our God supposedly, you know, doesn't really want us to be eating bacon and some of the other, you know, food that's been sacrificed to idols and all that kind of stuff. So we would like to just eat vegetables if that's okay. And Ashpenaz, it says God had given him, uh, the, the, uh, Daniel, and, uh, well, to use their Babylonian names, I'm breaking my own rule with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, but God had given him them great favor with him. But even so, he's like, you know what? It's my head if you guys look any skinnier or less healthy than the other young men. So he goes, no, I'm not giving permission for you to just eat vegetables. So you know what Daniel did? He didn't cause a big fight. He didn't create a scene. He downgraded and he went to the attendant. And he just asked the attendant, hey, can I come talk to you? He's like, so (laughs) what do you think about, um, you know, us eating just vegetables and being able to honor our God? And the attendant was like, eh, I don't know, you know, and he was nervous as well. And Daniel was like, how about this? How about you put us to a test for 10 days? And after those 10 days, you can kind of give us a, a, a look-see. And if we look healthy and all of that and you're satisfied, then you let us continue with that diet. And that's what happened, right? So here's what I love about that is that it says, and I think there's a translation that says, Daniel approached them with wisdom and tact, right? There's, I've found that sometimes as a believer, I lack wisdom in my approach to things in the real world, and then I blame it on Jesus when people reject what I bring. Have you found that? Have you ever been in that situation? And where, oh, we're being persecuted for our faith. Well, maybe sometimes. Maybe sometimes, DJ, you're being rejected or resisted because you're not operating in humility. You're not operating in wisdom. You're not operating in tact. And I believe that Daniel discovered that secret that God lives in the real world and he, he chose his battles. He didn't pick unnecessary fights, right? So when Ashpenaz is like, eh, I don't know, I don't want to lose my head. Okay, cool. Then he went over to the attendant and asked him. He went to the lowest possible decision maker and with the least amount of friction and even said, okay, let's do a test. And then he was probably like, Lord, I need you to do what only you can do, right? Like I'm wanting to be true to your identity. I'm wanting to honor you. And I need you now to do what I can't do. And once again, between that rock and the hard place, God met him. I don't know where you might be or what you might be facing, but I believe that God wants you to know and hear very clearly that he's ready to meet you between the rock and the hard place, that he's ready, that he hears your prayer when you're saying, God, I want to honor you. God, I don't know how to forgive this person. Man, they've wounded me. God, but I believe that that would honor you. So I need your help, Lord. God, I don't know what to do with this situation at work and how to honor my boss. But God, I I want you to speak to me. I want you to show me. God, I don't understand how to work this out in this relationship. But God, I want to honor you. I'm listening. I'm humbling myself before you, Lord. I believe God wants to meet us in that place. I put in the notes there, Psalm 9, or excuse me, Proverbs 19, verse 3, and it just says this, people ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. <laughs> people, right? We, we pick fights that we can't win. We, we 
uh, in our pride, in our arrogance, whatever, uh, we think we're honoring God, but we don't walk in that wisdom that he wants to provide. And then we suffer some consequences, and we're like, God, you didn't stand by me. And God's like, you didn't listen to me. <laughs> you didn't do it my way. So I want, that's, not, that's not meant to be heavy, but I mean, the God's just reminding us, right? I want to give you wisdom. Man, if you'll ask me, I will give you wisdom. I'll give you, you'll be able to kind of like we're in, you know, uh, uh, space aircraft are re-entering the atmosphere. They say it's like a paper-thin uh, angle that they have to hit so that they don't bounce off back into outer space or they don't burn up because the fire is too intense. They literally have to come at a precise angle to re-enter the atmosphere perfectly. God is like that with us. He's saying, I can get you exactly in that place where you're being true, you're being bold, you're speaking my truth and you're being honest, but yet with such humility and, and grace that it can bring and invite supernatural favor in your life. Uh, verses nine, uh, 17 through 19 says this, and this is maybe even repeating a theme from what Pastor Dan shared about Nehemiah, but it says, to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, which was three years, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Wow. Pastor Dan said, when we seek God's heart, he bestows his favor. We saw that in, in Nehemiah. And I believe we see it again in Daniel, right? God is just revealing his character. He's revealing how he operates. He's saying, if you truly want my glory, if you truly want to seek me and honor me above your own reputation, above your own glory, then man, I will find ways to favor you. I will find ways to give you aptitude that goes beyond your natural ability. And here's what I believe. Uh, the world is waiting to see the sons and daughters of God revealed in God's glory, right? I know that'll happen probably at the end of the age or whatever. I think Romans 8 says that all creation yearns and is waiting for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. But I wonder if maybe in some way, it doesn't just mean at the very end of the age. What if, what if the world and even all creation is saying, when God's sons and daughters discover who they are in him, and when they begin to seek his heart and in humility say, God, I want your wisdom. I want your creativity. I want your, your ingenuity. I want your tact. I want your grace. I want your eloquence. I want whatever it is that you want to bestow upon me to bring you glory. What if the world's like, where was that? Where was that song that's never been written before? Where was that poem? Where was that business idea? Where was that ministry reaching, giving homes to kids in whole new ways? Where, where was that? Where was that all my life? I believe that the creation is yearning and God is longing to bestow that upon us. C.S. Lewis said these words. What we want is not more little books about Christianity, but more little books by Christians on other subjects with their Christianity latent. 
What he meant is that he believed that Christians should be writing books on science and literature and poetry and art and banking and finance and, do you know what I'm saying? Social services and project management and whatever. He's saying when we realize who Christ is in us and the image of God in us and we begin to pursue excellence like Daniel did, the world is going to start taking notice. God's glory is going to shine through us. Ideas are going to be given to us. Maybe you'll have a dream in the night bringing some solution that everyone has been trying to figure out and all of a sudden God gave it to you. And you're able to, why? So that we can walk in and be like, hey everybody, I'm the son of God or the daughter of God. And you know, no, it's so that we can bless, right? God has called us, Abraham, he said, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. All nations will be blessed through you and through your seed. I believe that God is saying, I want to use you to bless your business. I want to use you to bless your marriage. I want to use you to bless your kids. I want to use you to bless your parents. I want to use you to bless your coworkers. I want to use you to bless your neighbors on your street. I want to use you to bless people at the gym and other moms picking up the kiddos at the school. I want to use you to bring my blessing, to bring my favor. And if you'll open your ears and your heart, he will do it. I believe that's what C.S. Lewis was talking about. I want to figure out how to say this. Okay, so there is a, um, a theology out there that is uh, called Seven Mountains, right? It's a, it's a type of, it's based on the scripture where Jesus said, you will make disciples of all nations. And it talks about the fact that not just is God wanting to impact individuals' hearts, but he's wanting to impact education, religion, or spiritual relationships, the family, business, government, arts and entertainment, sorry, run out of fingers, and media, right? God is wanting to influence those things. And I absolutely believe he is. But here's what I believe. Sometimes that's presented in a way that says we're supposed to fight for those things. We're supposed to kind of claw and bite and, you know, go after that influence at any cost. And in the process, I wonder if sometimes we don't lose the character of Christ and our witness. And I believe God does want to go after those things. I absolutely do believe God wants to influence the media and religion and the church and the government and art and entertainment, all of those things. But I believe that God wants it to start with sons and daughters that are submitted to him and that are asking him for his glory, for his ideas, for his favor, so that we can walk in not with pride, but with humility, like, hey, will this idea help? Can this be a blessing? Can this help someone? And all of a sudden, right, when we walk in with that spirit, I believe God wants to usher us into places of influence in all of those seven areas. Where then it's not, we're not met with with the resistance of, of a tug of war, but the doors are open because we bring the love of God and the blessing of God and the favor of God. So whatever area you might be in, I don't know where God has planted you, but I hope that he is right now sparking in your heart that he wants to use you to bring his glory, his life, his health, his creativity, his incredible beauty in whatever area, whatever situation he's planted you. I believe that God sometimes is wanting to reveal himself as creator before he reveals himself as savior. There's a lot of people out there that don't know him even as creator. 
And I believe we as Christians, obviously, and hey, I'm a pastor and I love the gospel, man. I love the cross. It's nothing more important than the cross that made salvation possible for us. But I believe sometimes in our zeal, we want to bring someone in and talk to them about Jesus, but they haven't even seen the glory of the Father, the image of God in us. They haven't seen the creativity. They haven't seen the joy. They haven't seen the, the lordship of God as we exercise dominion over the earth. And I believe God's saying, I'm looking for sons and daughters who are willing to show people who I am as creator, who I am as their designer, who I am as the one who understands the problems they're facing and what they're trying to accomplish. And then I can reveal myself as the savior who can wash away their sins and make them whole and give them new life. May God give us a revelation of who he is with each one of us. One of the ways I get to do that is officiating weddings. Right, I officiate weddings. Pastor Dan brought me into that five years ago. And we were trying to make some extra money to go to Cancun, you know, as all spiritual people, as all pastors do, no. And I was like, wow, I can meet people from outside the church, make some extra cash, take my wife to Cancun on our 25th anniversary. Win, 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 right? So I create this revolt. Man, I've probably officiated a couple hundred weddings in the last five years. And it never ceases to amaze me that I am able to engage with people that maybe aren't ready to encounter Jesus as Lord, but they see God as Father and as Creator. Jesus, you know, at the wedding of Cana, he didn't get up on a soapbox and be like, hey, okay, everybody, enough celebration. Let's talk about the important stuff. I'm the Messiah, so please form an orderly line right here if you want me to lay my hands on you and you want to accept me as your Savior, right? We don't read that. Do you read that, Helios? He turned the water into wine. He helped the party continue. He used the very power of God unselfishly just to be like, hey, in this moment, I just want to serve. I just want to bless this couple who ran out of wine, right? To think about the embarrassment that they would be facing and their families. And he just said, you know what? Okay, and obviously his mom kind of had a part of that. <laughs> like, Jesus. He's like, mom, okay. <laughs> he honored his mother in that. But I believe, think about all the ways that you can be used. And listen, don't take this to mean I'm not saying there's a time to, to speak up about Jesus, about the cross. I mean, man, alive, when God opens that door, whoo, glory. Walk through it with boldness, with love, with confidence, right? Be prepared to share the reason for the hope within you. But I believe that God is saying, you know what, sometimes I want to reveal myself in my glory first. And then their heart is open. This is not in my notes, and I'm out of time, so I can't share this with you. Let's pray. No, just kidding. There's, there's a verse in the scripture I found in several gospels that says this. Jesus told his disciples, I hope you get this, whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Now, think about that for a second. You're officiating a wedding for non-believers, but in their meetings with you, they're like, wow, you're a pastor? We actually like you, right? They have all the baggage, all the reasons to reject Jesus, right? They have all the re They were hurt in the church growing up, they, you know, their parents didn't understand that they had a baby before they were married. All the reasons to be outcast, right? But they feel something. They feel some love. They don't understand it. It doesn't fit in a box. They're not signing up for a th theology class. But in that moment, their heart is open and they're receiving. They're like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not thinking about religion. I'm not thinking about theory. All I know is it feels like you love us and they're receiving me in that moment. 
And I believe the Lord spoke to me and said, you know what? Sometimes receiving you is the very first step to receiving me because that's what I said. When they receive you, it's the first step to receiving me. And when they receive me, they're receiving the Father. So I'm not saying, hey, everybody who I've shit for is automatically going to heaven and saved and thank you, Jesus. <laughs> it's, it's a part of a process of coming to Jesus, right? But think about that very first step. It might start with somebody receiving you at your work. Not because you preached a sermon in the lunchroom with the big Thompson Chain Reference Bible, but because you shared your lunch with them or because you stopped and listened to their problem and prayed with them or, or just listened or were excellent in your work and took your share of the responsibility and didn't slack off. God wants to reveal himself and bring glory to Jesus like he did. Daniel experienced that and God wants you to experience that. So just to close, God has a great record of playing and winning on the road, right? I put in my notes, sometimes when we think everything is being taken from us, it's actually that we are the ones being given. We think everything is being taken. God, what? How did you allow that to happen? God, why? My, the things that I held on to, the things that brought me strength and comfort, like Daniel would have clung to from his homeland. And God is saying, yeah, it might feel to you like I'm taking everything from you and I'm uprooting you, but actually you're the gift. I'm actually giving you to the Babylonians because through you, you don't know this yet, but there are kings, world emperors who will have dreams interpreted and who will end up declaring the God of Daniel, he is the one true God. Worship him, everyone. And their lives and empires will be changed. Think of how that influenced incredible groups of people that had otherwise no chance of knowing the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So sometimes God, it feels like we're taking everything from us, but maybe it's you that's being given as a gift, as a son or daughter. <laughs> you know, he likes to package the message really tightly with the messenger. That's what he did with Jesus, isn't it? In Philippians 2, it says, he left heaven, took on the form of a servant, being made obedient to death and death on a cross. He brought who the Father was without all of the accoutrements, without all the crowns and robes and all that he deserves and all that he rightfully has in heaven. But sometimes he invites us into that same process with him. Will we say yes when he does? I'm finishing with this and I'll pray. The stronger the seasoning, the less is required to change the flavor. Sometimes God is strengthening you with being salt or being a seasoning. And God is entrusting you and you feel like he's taking you out of your comfort zone and farther away from home where there's people who think like you, value like you, understand you. Maybe it's because he's saying, you're strong enough now. I'm putting you in this stew over here. I'm putting you in this situation that desperately needs the seasoning that you can bring, the aroma of Christ that is in you. And it might feel awkward and it might feel lonely, but man, you're gonna have an effect and an influence on that. You know, as a result of this, we see that Daniel served four, if not five, kings. He outlived so many of them, brought incredible glory to God, and truly lived a life of integrity, of impact, of influence. And I believe God's gonna do the same if we let him. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. God, your word brings life. Lord, it's not my words that bring life, it's your word. And so I pray right now that you would spark and activate in each one of us, I can't possibly know where you've planted each one of us or what portion of this you're speaking to us, but God, you do. And I just pray, God, would you breathe on it 
in our hearts? Would our hearts be soft and pliable? Would you just breathe on that flame that Pastor Janelle talked about, that fire? Would you breathe on that and, and cause it to grow in us, a fire of confidence of how you want to use us in whatever environment we find ourselves in, a fire of hope that things can change that seem impossible. God, a fire of boldness when it's time to stand up and be true to who you've made us to be in our identity in you. God, would you breathe on us? Would we reflect you as creator? And would then people come into our influence and know you as Savior and Lord? God, bless your people. Let us be your church that shines in the darkness. Get much glory through us as your sons and daughters. In Jesus' name, amen.